in my ministry as a priest, I learned a very important lesson, which is if you want to get to the end of a, a celebration of the Eucharist, the end of Mass, and have nobody in the congregation even look you in the eye, preach a homily about the church's vision about money. One of the only times I've done this where I, I boldly took a chance to preach about how some of the church fathers spoke about our relationship with money. It, it, it really quite astounded me that at the end of Mass, when I stood out the front to greet people, every person in the church walked straight past with their eyes down, trying to avoid any eye contact. And it was, a, it was such a lesson to me that there is something in this topic which cuts really close to the nerve in our hearts, you know, that we... As I said in the previous episode, you know, we, we, we can very comfortably follow Jesus in certain areas of our life. We enjoy the worship. We enjoy mission. We enjoy talking about Jesus, hearing talks about Jesus. But as soon as you start to get close to money, everyone's defenses go up. And so I say that as a bit of a preface to this episode because you, you may be tempted to just skip past this and not want to hear what I want to say. I said in the previous episode that, you know, there is, there's a real call here in discipleship to trust our Father. But that call is extremely uncomfortable because your comfort or your security, is a, it's right at the core of your life, you know, your very existence. You know, if, if you don't have enough, you die, okay, or your children die or they're malnourished. Every survival mechanism in us goes crazy at this point. Now, I think firstly, we, we have to remember that we are probably one of the first generations in the history of, of the world who has had more than enough, you know. So when we come to this issue, we, we are approaching this from such a different perspective to previous generations. Previous generations who were living very much an agricultural existence, you know, if there was a famine the whole of society was struggling. Whereas these days, we just take for granted that everything is freeze-dried, tin food, there is going to be enough. You know, in a globalized world, there will always be something coming from somewhere. And yet, even though we live with so much security, we're still terrified of anything encroaching on that security. And so, when it comes to the call of Christ to trust, to detach ourselves from our possessions, to rather, instead of allowing our possessions to hold us, that, that, that we need to hold them and hold them very lightly. This is where it becomes really challenging. Now, if we were to try to go down to, you know, how does Jesus call us to look at money? Throughout so many of the parables that Jesus uses, He's not saying that money is bad. He's saying that money can become a real trap for the heart. We can find ourselves to get into a place where we now start to forget what's really important. You know, we start to blind ourselves to those in need because I'm afraid that they're going to ask for what I have. We, I mean, there's a classic parable that Jesus uses of the rich man and Lazarus where the rich man 
has everything he needs. He's living the dream. He's fully comfortable. But at his gate, there is the poor man, Lazarus, who begs every day. And every day, the rich man leaves his house and he walks past the poor man as though he doesn't even exist. Now, this, this parable always had a deep impact on me. It, it was actually a, an enormous challenge for my own conversion because I, I think I hit a point where I realized that I was the rich man. Not because I was particularly wealthy, but because I was intentionally blinding myself to those in need. I didn't want to know that they existed. And, and I think, well, for me, the way I read the story, that is the sin of the rich man. You see, God had blessed him with wealth, but that blessing became part of his vocation. That was how he was meant to share that wealth, to be the hands of God, to be, to be the heart of God, caring for those in need. But he decided to not live that vocation. He decided to just do it himself and, and to just blind himself. If you go back to the teaching of some of the early church fathers, some of the, the great theologians of our early church, they were very strong on this idea that if you were given money, it spoke of the fact that you now had a job to do. Now, St. John Chrysostom was quite strong on this. He, he used the image of a treasurer. So if I can just read this quote to you, he says, For our money is the Lord's, however we may have gathered it. If we provide for those in need, we shall obtain great plenty. This is why God has allowed you to have more, not for you to waste on prostitutes, drink, fancy food, expensive clothes, and all the other kinds of indolence, but for you to distribute to those in need. Just as an official in the imperial treasury, if he neglects to distribute where he is ordered, but spends instead for his own indolence, pays the penalty and is put to death. So also the rich man is a kind of steward of the money which is owed for distribution to the poor. Now, as I said at the beginning, this is challenging because it goes completely against everything which our society has trained us in. But this is very much the heart of what Jesus is trying to communicate in that parable. You have a vocation to care and love all those around you. Now, your job is to do that with the means that you have. If God has blessed you with excess, then part of that vocation is to discern what are you meant to do with that. Okay, in, in your particular part of the world, in your vocation, how are you meant to respond? The real danger here is that the battle of our heart gets played out in a very practical way through our money. You know, I once read a quote where someone said that money doesn't make you good or bad. It just amplifies what you already are. You know, a poor person who is generous is probably going to keep being generous if they're given millions of dollars. Whereas a rich person who is selfish will probably still be selfish if they've got nothing. You know, there, there is something where it just amplifies it, it accentuates it, makes it more visible. So in terms of the call of discipleship, this cuts right to the core. If, if holiness is about becoming like God, the God who is love, then how we use our possessions 
really has to come to this question of, do I see those in need? And do I start to recognize that they are my brothers and sisters, that I, I've got a duty to bless them and care for them? Now, practically, the, how this looks is, is the difficult part of the, of the equation. You know, we would understand that every person has certain levels of influence and responsibility. And your primary responsibility is to care for your own health. Once you've got enough to care for that, anything left over needs to then be given to those who are under your care, your family, your children. Now, once they've got enough, anything left over then needs to go almost to the, to the next circle outwards. You know, so maybe it's your community. And this is where the point of discernment comes. How do you start to recognize, okay, once everyone in your immediate sphere of influence is being cared for, who else? Where else is God calling you? But then the other question here is, how does God want you to use that? This is not simply as simple as giving money to the poor. Because sadly, sometimes giving money to the poor is the worst thing to do. You know, you, it, you can very easily create dependence. You can end up feeding into all sorts of unhealthy behaviors. And I think if you, if you were to ask most people who care for the poor, they would say that they never give money. Uh, they'll always find other creative ways to care. But I think, once again, this is where it becomes a, a real question of vocation. Where has God blessed you, not just financially, but intellectually, in terms of your gifting, in terms of your opportunity? Are you able to create opportunities for work? Are you able to use your blessing to educate people, to change culture, to change society? And this is where it becomes so much more than just feeding people. You know, very often there is an immediate need which the call of the gospel urges us to be aware of. But then there is a bigger picture of how can you try to change and influence the whole of our social structure so that those needs disappear. This, I believe, is really cuts to the core of the, of the, the lay vocation. You know, so much of this depends a lot on, on what your work is and whether you are in charge of a business or whether you are just working for a company. How do you navigate the call of God in that environment? Really, I think, though, the core of this is whether we can connect the call of Christ to this whole understanding of provision do we trust that God will provide for me enough that I can take a risk? You know, if God is calling me to be generous with what I have, do I have a deep enough faith to trust that he's going to provide when I'm in need? But also, there is a, there's something at the heart of this about love. Am I able to have my eyes open to see the need that is around me? Do I see myself as being on the same level with the poor. You know, like if, if a family member was in pain, you would want to react immediately. Sometimes the reason why we don't react is because we don't think that they are family. 
we see ourselves somehow being different or distant. But also there's a question here of how much do we allow ourselves to be caught up in this whole culture of possession? You know, because possession becomes so closely attached to identity. I am what I have. You know, I, I reveal the person I am to the world by my house, by my garden, by my car. How do I start to discover my true identity so I can be free of all that? You know, there's a great quote I came across years ago by San Ambrose where he's, he's using rhetorical language because I think he's, he's trying to get a reaction from his congregation. But he basically says, you know, the poor man cries before your house and you pay no attention. There is your brother naked crying and you stand confused over the choice of an attractive floor covering. <laughs> you know, I, I, I couldn't help but laugh when I read that because I can understand the anguish that's in the heart of Ambrose. You know, that there is so many people who become invisible in our world and we can become so consumed by a culture which just is all about more having more stuff jesus when jesus calls us to follow him he's calling us to step off this conveyor belt of culture you know this this current which forces us to act in certain ways to think in certain ways he's challenging us to step away from that to start to see everything differently the first response is to say yes lord i'll follow you the second call is to say you have to give me the holy spirit because i have no idea what i've got to do next <laughs>